1: Hi there, good evening and what's up America, I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, today was the big day where the election interference from the Democrats continued into the 2024 election as they sought to put their thumb on the scale of what should be a free and fair election. And they're doing everything they can to slow down the candidate that's uh, rising in the polls. Of course, that candidate is former President Donald Trump, who's uh, vying and leading for the Republican nomination for president of the United States. And uh, the courtroom was filled with people uh, at his arraignment. There was uh, plenty going on there, plenty going on. Uh, By the way, I wanted to make mention of something, that today is the 55th anniversary, I think it's the 55th, I might be wrong on that, uh, of the assassination of the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., And he once famously said that an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And I think that's exactly what we saw today in New York City as uh, local uh, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg brought charges against former President Trump. And like I said, he is the leading candidate. Now, there were a bunch of protesters out there, and to the chagrin of, I guess, the folks at MSNBC, CNN, and the the rest of the left-wing media, they didn't get their January 6th. They didn't have their clash of the titans moment. Uh, it was not fiery, but peaceful. It was just peaceful protest. There were demonstrators there, and uh, uh, the um, network RSBN caught a couple of these guys On the street asking them what they thought of the the proceedings with Donald Trump here's what one of them had to say
2: what brings me here today is that my brother is uh, gonna be indicted and I'm here to support him and I'm here to support America we all support America we want America America to continue to thrive continue to be on top and that's that's American blood it has um, Being an American is a mindset. It has nothing to do with where you come from. It's a mindset. So if you have a backwards mindset, you're not going to make this country grow. You have, to, you have to indulge yourself in this country. You have to want to be a part of it. You want to have to enjoy being successful. That's what it is. That's why people come here. They want to come here to be successful.
1: That's true. It's 100% true. Uh, to me, that's the pursuit of the American dream. They grabbed another demonstrator that was there, and he also had something interesting to say. Listen to this one.
3: Man, I've tried to talk to everybody, man. Uh, I've been out here having a good time, roasting people, you know. But I got to say, man, look, earlier it was crazy. But, you know, the more you talk to people, the more they don't even know why they hate Trump. <laughs> you ask them what, tr- what crimes is he actually guilty of, they can't, they can't tell you.
4: Yeah, they can't
3: they, you tell them why do you hate him, they can't tell you. They're just here literally sounding like other people that they
1: heard. Sounding like other people that they heard. And again, that's just um, the parroting, echoing, regurgitating of what many people hear on the um, left wing media. And and I I bring emphasis to that because, you know, you could also parrot and regurgitate what you hear in right wing media, if you want to call it that. Uh, However, it's there is a difference uh, because most of the conservative leaning media, um, present company included, is. Is not pretending to be a journalist or parading around like a reporter, right? I don't do any of those things, and and I think that's important to make note. Commentary is commentary. Now, of course, the um, the 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 scene was a big scene for everybody that was at work. Like I think most of us uh, were, um, at least many of us were at work and didn't get a chance to watch the play by play of this or maybe see it on the news. Um, former President Trump left. This policial uh, estate at Trump Tower, the big golden uh, building on Fifth Avenue, his motorcade and they shut down the FDR and he drove through there in this uh, caravan of cars and got to the uh, the the um, what is that place called the district attorney's office, which is in the same building as the court building and in downtown lower Manhattan. And the uh, motorcade made their way in. He went in. There was – when he left Trump Tower, there was a wave, but upon arriving, there was nothing. As a matter of fact, they put tents up or something like that, so you really couldn't see what was going on. There was one still photograph from inside the court, but no cameras were allowed. No video cameras were allowed inside. Uh, Trump was not handcuffed. He was uh, not photographed. He was fingerprinted, and uh, there was no um, mugshot other than a photograph of him sitting at the table Uh, which kind of looked like a boardroom, you know, kind of reminiscent of what we saw when he was a a, a TV star. And after what some people um, like my buddy, Arthur Idala, who's a defense lawyer in New York City, has been through this process. He said it was a lengthy arraignment that it took a lot longer than it usually takes. And this was the only case on the docket for the whole day and New York City activated every single police officer. There were no days off today. If you were a cop in New York City, you were working today. There was a heavy police presence, heavy Secret Service uh, presence. Uh, It was probably one of the safest places to be. And minus a, you know, a handful of arrests for different things, there was no violence, um, contrary to what so many believed. And I believe I told all those people, you're full of it. Anyway, um, upon uh, the end of this process, his lawyer uh, Joe Tacapina and Todd Blanche and others uh, they stopped very quickly to express their disgust with the media um, and not disgust with the media their disgust with this process and they shared it with the media and You know, they were saying, you know, they were getting the typical questions as they got peppered with questions saying, you know, what's how do you think he feels? What's his demeanor? And of course, they were saying, how do you think he feels? What do you think his demeanor is? You know, the guy's being railroaded here uh, on on a bogus charge. So, I mean, they were frustrated. I think Trump is frustrated as well. Ultimately, Trump flew back to Mar-a-Lago on Trump Force One, where he gave a speech uh, just about an hour, two hours ago. And I have a quick clip of that that I want you to hear. Listen to this.
4: The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it.
1: So that was Trump at Mar-a-Lago. We have a little bit more of that. We're going to get to the Mar-a-Lago stuff right after this. Uh, First, we're going to take a quick pause, and let me give you the phone number. If you want to join the national conversation, you're welcome to do so. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833, the number four, and my last name, Valdez. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
4: I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much.
0: America at Night with Rich Valdez.
4: The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it.
1: All right, folks, that's uh, the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, who I like to call Donaldus Magnus El Trumpito. And on the line, um, he, we have from Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump Jr. Don Jr., welcome to the program, sir. Good to be with you, Rich. How are you doing? You bet, brother. So uh, what, what's uh, your initial reaction to all of this? I saw a clip of you uh, saying this is like some communist-level bleep, and I have to agree with you there. But... Um, now that it's actually happened, and there was all this smack talking about, they're gonna perp walk them, and they're gonna have a mug shot, and they're gonna do this, and they're gonna cuff them. Uh, now that that's all behind us, uh, where do we go from here?
5: Listen, I think people have to continue to wake up. Uh, I think with each attack, whether it was Russia, 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 whether it was Ukraine hoax one, two, three, four, seven, whatever, you know, impeachment <laughs> one, two. Uh, No, it, it's serious. You know, like guys like me who went through Russia, Russia, Russia. Like we still, yeah. you know, in that time in '16, I was like, well, you know, but you know, the FBI said this about General Flynn. You know, there's got there's got to be some truth to it, right, Rich? There has to be. These are good people, mm-hmm. right? They're fighting for our country. You know, the CIA said X, Y, Z. You know, they'd never lie. I mean, and then I was, oh wow, you know, it just like this, right? So I think what we need to do is we need to understand just how far our country has fallen. Uh, we've crossed the Rubicon, and by the way, we probably have uh, a lot long, you know, a while ago, a lot sooner than uh, recently. It's just that the attacks on Trump, the derangement, it's so real, it's so palpable um, that that it's bringing it out. Meaning, I think we were probably there, but they were able to hide it. Now they're saying the quiet parts out loud. They want to jail their political opponents. Uh, you know, I was trending on Twitter today. Uh, Because I I retweeted an article from the Daily Mail and from Breitbart that says, you know, the judge in the New York thing, his daughter, is -hmm. an adult who actively works on political campaigns as a political activist who worked for Kamala Harris directly and the Joe Biden campaign. I'm like, I don't know. You know, the the wife tweets all sorts (laughs) of terrible stuff about Trump. I'm sure we're going to get a fair trial. Right. And, you know. Kes- Glenn Kessler from The Washington Post, Donald Trump Jr. is basically doxing you know, this young child. No, no, no. She's a political activist. She's a public figure who's worked for literally the leader of the free world, in quotes, because, I mean, we've seen how well that's been going. But you know, the most powerful man of the opposition party, as well as the vice president of the United States, we're, like, and we're, like, we're not supposed to talk about that. We're not supposed to say that's we're, – we're supposed to treat them like a child, and I understand they've set that precedent. You can't talk about crackhead Hunter Biden taking a billion dollars from China and ask the question if that's, uh, you know, why we have the weakest policy towards China ever, because he's a 51-year-old baby who has to be coddled. You know, that's what they would have you believe. That's what the fact checker from The Washington Post said about me retweeting an article. I didn't dox anyone. I retweeted an article. I said, hey, it seems relevant, because it does, and it is, and if I did it and it was the other way around— uh, it'd be really relevant, magically, uh, but it w- w- doesn't work that way. We ha- we have a very separate and distinct two-tiered justice system. One for if you're a Democrat or a radical, uh, you you get total protection, and if you're a conservative, they'll go after you to the fullest extent of the law and even you know breaking the law to do so.
1: Or recreating the law in this case to to make it fit, which is uh, very yeah, sad. And,
5: uh, and it, yeah, I mean when when CNN. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes I have to watch it just for my own amusement, uh, but when <laughs> CNN uh, and Fareed Zakaria and you know, the Democrat pundits are like, "Oh, that that that's that's their case, really?" Like all all of that, this is this is the best they have. I mean, they're saying, "Oh crap, uh, there, there's nothing here." Uh, it's basically 34 counts of literally the same thing. Not that it happened different times; they're just including it. it it's it's lunacy. The, the radical leftists who wanted this to really be something are saying, oh, man, it was really sort of bit off more than they could chew. But we should know that by now, Rich, because this is what they've been doing for seven years.
1: Donald Trump Jr. is our guest. Uh, Don, tell us about, uh, so you leave New York, you guys take Trump Force One, you get to Mar-a-Lago. For everybody that's listening, what was the vibe like at the reception following the arraignment? It looked like, a, like a, not only just a speech, but like a grand old party from what I saw.
4: It,
5: it was. I think, you know, again, people are getting it. They understand Trump's the one fighter who will actually go up against these guys. So I think, you know, there's actually probably an advantage to being uh, the lame duck in this case. And, you know, you don't have to get reelected, not trying to make any more friends in Washington, D.C. They've gone after your family for seven years. Like, you can you can take it down to the bones, which is what we need to do. You know, these, these institutions have been corrupted. Uh, the bureaucrats have taken over. The radicals, frankly, have taken over, as we've seen with the military and the woke nonsense there and the FBI, who will happily label concerned parents who show up to their PTA meetings as domestic terrorists. I mean, these are intimidation tactics. Well, you know, it, Whether it's uh, the HRT, the hostage rescue team of the FBI, not what they usually do, but raiding Mar-a-Lago, nice. um, you know, that's designed to send a message and to intimidate people. And this has all been uh, one big case of election interference, because they know he's the one guy that's a threat to the system. We've seen others that perhaps we were hopeful of uh, that would be great uh, you know, fighting back, I'd love to see a deeper Republican bench, but we've seen them uh, kowtow to the Karl Rove, Paul Ryan, Jeb Bush, uh, you know, talking points and, you know, not take these things seriously. It's like, oh, my God, you know, I thought that guy had thing, and it took about two seconds for the donor class and the establishment Republicans who don't do anything, you know, for America first or for the hardworking men and women of this country uh, just fold and give up instantly. And it's like, oh, boy, I guess we've got a lot more work to do.
1: Yeah, it's like the ruling class is hooked on the ruling class and on spending tax dollars. Uh, your brother, Eric Trump, a little while ago um, posted, Breaking the Ninth Circuit just awarded Trump. Tell us about that.
5: Yeah, it's, it's, so apparently the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals just awarded Donald Trump another $150,000 on top of like the $400,000 they have already awarded him against Stormy Daniels. <laughs> I, mean, I think you, that's you, terrific. You, like the timing sort of amazing. And I, I mean, to get something out of the ninth circuit where the, you know, we you know, be, before Trump judges, uh, you know, that's where the constitution went to die. Um, yeah. <laughs> but literally as this goes on, so, so not only as the case hinge on that, but other courts have already found that she was out there lying, that she owes him legal fees, that she, you know, so I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm hearing that she's doing very well on her t-shirt t-shirt sales this week, because she's going to need him because she owes Trump about a half a million dollars right now.
1: That's great. Yeah, it, I thought it was terrific. And, and you, you couldn't, the irony was just uh, so funny. An, another hundred some odd thousand dollars in attorney fees from Story, Story Daniels. So um, now that uh, we're at this juncture, obviously there's no slowing down. It seems like fundraising is picking up. Um, and to me, it also seems if there's anything I've learned watching um, Donaldus Magnus, as I like to call him, is that when they throw these curveballs at him, he gets more gangster, and he just goes harder.
5: Yeah, and, you know, that's what we need. Like I said, you know, you, you saw it in the last couple of weeks, a couple of the ones that you had that hoped, you know, would be America first and actually fight for those things. You know, they rolled over and died. They, you know, they flip-flopped <laughs> on the Ukraine war because no one wants to be in the endless wars except for their donors in the military-industrial complex. So they say they're they're against it, and then, oh, two days, well, we're going to reverse on that because, you know, I, I'm beholden to my donors. You know, I think the Republicans are sick of people that need the billionaire donor class, because the billionaire donor class, guess what? You know, they may be conservative on some things, but uh, they're not America first. They want their stuff cheaper. They, wanted this. They're, you know, they want a president that when they call and say, jump, that president says how high. They don't get that from Donald Trump. Uh, you know, they, they can get that from uh, the other, you know, political class that have been nothing but politicians, because they need that money to run, to exist. Uh, and, you know, w- with that comes a lot of power and a lot of influence, uh, that certainly isn't beneficial to the you know America First movement and to ordinary, everyday working class Americans. You saw it again, you know, over the last two weeks, uh, where, you know, the flip flop on Ukraine from DeSantis, you saw it with the ah, well, you know, it this is just sort of a show, it's not real. Like, oh yeah, the real it's not real. The like the weaponization of the full force and strength of the United States government against mm-hmm. uh the opposition candidate. Like this is banana republic stuff, Rich. I mean, this is stuff that if it was happening in third world countries uh, the Democrats and the RINOs uh, on the right would be calling for regime change, but it's happening here in the United States. And, oh, it's not that big a deal. And then, you know, two days later, they're like, oh, well, I know it's a big deal now because, you know, they got the polling back and so they had to flip-flop again. Uh, you know, that's weak. That's that. You're not ready for the big leagues if you don't, you, you know, if you're either taking advice from, like, the Karl Rove, Paul Ryans of the world, you know, the Team Jeb, if you're taking that advice, <laughs> if you're beholden to the, you know, the billionaire donor class, or... If you're not capable of seeing just how crazy this is, like all three of those, any one of them should be disqualifying for the future. You know, you gotta, you gotta work on yeah. that a little bit more if you're gonna, if you're ready for the big game. So
1: the definitely. Trick, a, one day a they shift. will do
5: it to you. One day they will do it to you. You're oh, you like the attention on Trump right now? Guess what? When they turn that on you, and you're not quite ready, or you condone it acidly for these kind of this kind of time, uh, that doesn't work out well in the end, in my opinion.
1: I, I agree with you 100%. Donald Trump Jr., let everybody know how they could keep up to speed with you and check out your really good show. You have a great show that you do. Tell them about it.
5: Yeah, no, yeah, I do, do a show on Rumble, uh, you know, where, where free speech still exists. It's a platform uh, <laughs> Thank that God. Know, I believe in because of that. It's not going to be YouTube where they censor you. So I have a show twice a week on Monday and Thursday there. And uh, I stream randomly like I did tonight every once in a while. Otherwise, so check me out there and on the usual social platforms because I like to fight in all the arenas.
1: You got it, folks. Donald Trump Jr., Don Jr., thank you, sir, for being with us. We appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Godspeed, and send the president our best. Thank you, Rich. You got it, brother. God bless. All right, more to come straight ahead. Rich Valdez, America at Night. We're coming back with Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor.
2: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about
7: Another crime, but the indictment does not specifically say what those crimes were. We are assuming, perhaps, that they might be election-related. I'm wondering if you can uh, specify what laws
2: were also broken. Sure. So let me let me say, as an initial matter, the, the indictment doesn't specify that because the law does not so require. Uh, in my remarks, I mentioned a couple of laws, which I will highlight uh, again now. Uh, the, the the first is New York State election law, which makes it a crime. Uh, to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means, uh, I further indicated a, a number of unlawful means, including ad- more additional false statements, including statements that were planned to be made to tax authorities. Uh, I also noted the federal election law cap on contrib- contribution uh, limits. But
8: why weren't there those crimes charged? they charged
2: with those crimes? Well, we we I'm not going to go into our deliberative process on. What was brought, the charges that were brought were the ones that were brought. The evidence in the law uh, is is the basis for those decisions.
1: All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. And that was D.A. Alvin Bragg in New York uh, being asked by members in the the media in New York uh, actually pretty good questions. They were saying things like, you know, um, you're saying he committed a crime and you keep alluding to this crime, but there's no crime listed in the actual indictment, 16 pages long. And it doesn't list a crime. And I think to myself, you know, we've got this prosecutor in New York that's just a crackpot, in my opinion, uh, who doesn't list anything in the indictment yet. It's actually happening. It's not getting dismissed. And I'm thinking, how do we make sense of this? The only way to make sense of it is to call somebody, somebody who knows the deal, somebody who's like a professor, if you will, somebody who was once a deputy deputy. Uh, attorney general of the United States in the Reagan years, somebody who was United States attorney for the uh, Southern District of New York, Uh, somebody who was President Trump's personal lawyer, somebody who was America's mayor, who went after the mob and won, who faced up to FARC and won, and he uh, held New York together during 9-11. Somebody I have great respect for. He's America's mayor. Rudy Giuliani, welcome to the program.
7: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: How are you? I'm doing you fantastic. Right? I'm living the dream, sir. <laughs> You're doing thank very well. You. Thank you. How are you? So, Rich, how can I help? Well, I want to know what is going on with Alvin Bragg. How, how do you bring a case and not have a crime? Well, first of all, you,
7: you pointed out something very, very basic to criminal law. He doesn't, he doesn't charge a crime. He hasn't charged a crime. He has a fatal defect, what we would call a fatal defect in his indictment, that's going to require it being dismissed. You, you have to, you have to plead a crime, particularly a fraud crime. The, the words are with specificity. You can't say Rich Valdez committed a crime, arrested. Rich has a right to say, you got to tell me the crime. Right. So maybe maybe he pleaded the misdemeanor. Uh, uh, because he cited the statute, but that's barred by the statute of limitations. After a two-year statute of limitations. That's going to be automatically dismissed. The second one could be, I mean, when he says it was in, with the intent to commit another crime, that could be a thousand different crimes. I don't know how many crimes there are in the penal code of New York, but there are probably a thousand. Uh, mm-hmm. The crime that he probably is talking about, however, and the reason he's kind of shy to put it in, because it's a joke. The, the crime he's talking about is a federal campaign violation. And I think even uh, just a ordinary citizen would say, how could a state prosecutor charge a federal crime? Right. Well, he can't. He can't. So, I mean, he is uh, checkmated. Now, the real question is, do we have a judge honest enough to dismiss it? Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't dismiss this, somebody should investigate the judge.
1: Now, but How do we do that?
7: Law school F minus. Uh, you are taught in law school. You've got to plead in a civil or criminal case with enough specificity so the person can answer it. You can't tell someone we're charging you with a crime. You guess what it is. So that's one reason it would go out immediately, and given the amount of time that's been taken, and the fact that this thing is ancient at, at this point, I think it should be dismissed with prejudice, which means it can't be
1: can't be brought, brought
7: back. Again. It's dead. Very often, when they when you, when you plead incorrectly, they dismiss without prejudice. So you can re Right. It's not when the government makes an egregious mistake like this, unless they're going to play the game they've been playing for five or six years, and the rules that apply to you and me don't apply to Democrats.
1: Now, do you think there's any validity to the idea that the goal here was just to bring the indictment, just to get the cameras and to, to cause the gridlock in in lower Manhattan, and they don't really care if they get a conviction? Or are they really playing for keeps here?
7: I can't imagine they would want to do that because um, it, 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 they must have realized part, part of the way through this they were helping him. Right. I mean, you right. look at his numbers. The guy was, you know, pretty much tied with DeSantis. And now he's ahead by 20 or 30. DeSantis came to New York last weekend. He was in Long Island. He had about three to four hundred people in a beautiful little room. Half of them were Trump people, just wanted to see him. The other half were four. Of them. Trump today shows up getting indicted. And he's got about three, four thousand people. Right. I mean, he's getting indicted, and he's got three or four thousand people. Uh, I mean, the enthusiasm this has created for him is uh, priceless. I mean, if he if he wins, he's going to have to. You know, p- people look back at this campaign and say one of the turning points was Bragg
1: indicting him. Right. That's where he got all this momentum and lots of cash.
7: Yeah, and also it woke him up. I mean you know everybody needs to get energized and he was he's almost a different candidate now. He's almost yeah. I mean, he's like he used to. You saw him tonight, I mean the guy is really charged up. And when he gets charged up, there's no better candidate. I've never seen anybody campaign and create the reaction he creates when he when he gets <laughs> When he gets warmed up. And I mean, DeSantis is not a good campaigner. That was one of his problems and why Trump, I mean, Trump not only got him the nomination, Trump got him the, he was losing that election big time. I mean, he was, he was, he's gotten better, but he was a terrible campaigner when he ran for governor. I went down there and helped him. I, w- I was ordered to do it by Trump. Yeah. So, so were about four or five other people. But he's a natural, unlike DeSantis, he's a naturalist. He's a natural
1: campaigner. Yeah, he's a natural showman, too. He's great in front of people. Folks, we're on with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and uh, we're going to continue our discussion with the uh, arraignment of El Trumpito Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente Donald J. Trump. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America, this is night.
1: This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. If you want to join the national conversation, we are live here in this late night town hall. The phone number is 833, the number 4, Valdez, 8334-VALDEZ, and that's Valdez with an S. Our guest is America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Mayor, let's uh, put on your political hat for a moment. Uh, In addition to being a great legal mind, you've uh, run for president. You've ran for mayor, or was elected mayor twice. Let's talk about... the, the impact uh, of this uh, a little bit further. It seems that it's backfiring in that respect. People aren't souring on Trump. People are, you know, kind of going in on him. And, and there was some audio that I heard today of people just man on the street stuff where people are going, you know, I didn't like Trump before, but I kind of like him now. Now that he's been arrested, he, he, people like this this new <laughs> version of Trump. <laughs> I feel like they well, can relate know, better.
7: They like an underdog. Uh, he's always He's always, if you watch his career, and this may be true of a lot of people, but he's always campaigned better when he was behind. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, he came from behind about five times in 16 and even in, in 20. Uh, I mean, he he was supposed to lose it by 15 points. And uh, whether you believe, as I do, they stole it, or uh, he certainly made it very close, right?
3: Mm
7: hmm. So, I mean, he's got, uh, he's got, um, he got a real ability when he's behind to catch up, and and then of course this I think this this sort of illustrated what he's been saying for a very very long time. I mean, I don't know how many times they've attempted to frame him, right? So yeah, I mean, plenty. it started with Russian collusion. There's no doubt about that. Now that they paid money to make up a phony story about him to. First, to disqualify him for the presidency, and then to kick him out and, and, and prosecute him. That's called framing somebody. Criminals do that. Well, the people who did it were Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and Brennan and all those 51 people who signed that letter, which, by the way, I take personal offense at because the person they're calling a Russian agent is me. And Biden <laughs> is right. specifically using my name during the, during the debate. He's never apologized for that, and that's, that's it's definitively been proven that it it was not a Russian anything. It wasn't. How
1: do we, uh, how do we move forward from this? Right. So, do, do you think? Uh, the American people get tired of this narrative that Trump's the bad guy, Trump's a Russian agent, Trump and Rudy are Russians, yada, yada, yada. Or do we yeah, finally yada. get to a point where we, you know, we're like, hey, it's, no, it's Hunter. And, yeah. and, and these guys are in with Russia and with China.
7: I, I think that's what you're seeing uh, ha- uh, happening. I think that's the reaction that you're seeing uh, with this, um, with this, you know, jump ahead that he has in the polls. I think that people, like the people who said, oh, we didn't like him before, but now we kind of like. I think they're seeing that maybe, you know, they used to think he was making this up. It is hard to believe, by the way. I understand it. I wouldn't have believed it if I wasn't. I mean, the things that I know now, if you told me these things five or six years ago, Rich, I would have thought you were nuts. Yep. I would have thought you were some kind of a fiction writer. If you told me about Brennan and you told me about Russian collusion, what they did there, the stuff I learned in Ukraine makes my hair. I think I used to have hair before I went to Ukraine. <laughs>
1: think, um, you me both.
7: You cannot, you cannot believe how crooked the upper echelon of the Democrat Party is. I, I can't possibly exaggerate it for you. And I have investigated and prosecuted the mafia terrorists Nazis, uh, crooked Democrat politicians in New York City, plenty of them. This is about as high a level cr- group of crimes I've ever seen. I mean, it's basically selling out our government at the highest level. Sir, I mean, $31 million from communists in China to the Biden family. And, and people keep, keep them in the White House. I mean, I just think if you can go back, I don't know if people remember the Cold War, but I do. In fact, when I worked with President Reagan, of course. one of my jobs was to get warrants on Russian spies. And uh, if Ronald Reagan or John Kennedy, if their family had gotten $31 million from, Soviet, uh, uh, from Soviets or from Chinese spies, I don't care how popular. They'd have gone to jail. They'd have been in jail. It would have been it would have been considered something pretty close to treason.
1: Somewhere we've lost our way.
7: Who who do you think the red Chinese are? They want to destroy us. They've done a pretty good job of killing us. Mm -hmm. Where where do you think? uh, Where do you think these drugs, this this fentanyl comes from? It all comes from 98 percent from China. They're killing us and they're making a fortune. Same thing with COVID. Where did COVID come from? Biden will never say that. Why won't Biden say that it comes from China? Why did Biden close an air base 400 miles from China? Would anybody do that? I mean, when any oil And American leave all the oil?
1: ammunition and
7: weapons there. Yeah, I mean, and one of the key strategic advantages in a war that involves missiles is proximity. If we're 400 miles away from them and they're 2,000 miles away from us, I'm sorry, they're not winning that war.
1: We're arraigning right the wrong guy.
7: Right now, we're looking for a base a thousand miles from China, our president, who doesn't not only doesn't put America first, he don't even think about America, gave gave it away for nothing. And he, oh, by the way, he didn't give it away for nothing. They got seventy five billion dollars worth of lethal arms there that mm-hmm. are being used by the Islamic terrorists to kill our friends. So, I I actually don't know how he's still sitting in the White House and uh, 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 how Democrats can put up with it since, I mean, they got to check back and take a look and see if their citizenship is American, not Chinese.
1: (laughs) Well said. Folks, we're on with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And I got to tell you, when I go and get my cafe con leche every day at the uh, Cuban coffee shop, I go in the afternoon and guess what I'm listening to around three o'clock in the afternoon That's right. I'm listening to my buddy, my former (laughs) colleague, Rudy Giuliani. Great show. Keep up the great work. Thank you for joining us. I know you've got to run, but I thank you for staying up late with us, and I hope you'll come back soon. Great job. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Do well. My best to Maria. Okay, thank you. Maria says hello. Will do. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America, it's your turn to chime in. We're going to hit the phones, 833-482-5337. Let's go to Brooklyn, New York, WFAS. Check in with Alex. Alex, what's up, man? You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead.
9: Hey, Rich. Thanks so much for taking the call. Now you mentioned to the mayor how this is helping President Trump and backfiring uh, on the Democrats. You know, I heard that Joe Biden is literally asking Alvin Bragg to get him indicted, hoping that his poll numbers going to go up <laughs> a little
1: bit because he's doing so poorly.
9: <laughs> That's very
1: funny. That was very good. You know, you would think uh, you would think, right? And maybe they'll start off with Hunter and see how that goes. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen though. These guys seem to have a, a detached. Uh, Grip on reality, but what do you think um, you know is is actually happening here with this with this case? Do you think uh, it materializes into something where they become a protracted legal battle, or is it something that is eventually just going to die like by being dismissed
9: uh well, they're certainly not – I don't think, see them moving it out to some conservative place in New York because otherwise it would certainly fizzle out right there and then. Sure. But, if, I mean, if they could do this and indict him over such crap, then I wouldn't be surprised if they actually you know, hold him you – know, he be, turns into becoming guilty and they take this to the end of it and it doesn't fizzle out with this corrupt judge and everything else. But I had a question for you, which is. Uh, could be mentioned with as mayor with uh, with the mayor and I missed it he called screen and mentioned something about that um, but basically Alvin Bragg came out after this uh, indictment and gave a press conference and said that uh, there's an additional crime and that's why I was able to turn it into a felony and then a reporter asked him well what is that additional crime and he said I don't I don't have to disclose what that is and so my question is why uh, you know how did he get away with this in the, in the court it didn't he have to mention in, in in court what that additional crime is if he had one, and if he didn't have an additional crime, then how was he able to turn this into a felony? How did he get away with that? You know, it could be that the additional crime is that he you know Trump is is supportive of gay rights in the United States, which is illegal in Iran.
1: Right. Well, Alex, you know what? We have uh, one of Trump's attorneys, uh, Jesse Banal. He's coming up next. So we're going to ask him that question and find out what is going on with this secret crime. That's so elusive. Thanks for the call, my brother. More to come straight ahead. Jesse Banal from Trump's legal team joins us. Plus, after that, some discussion on China. Don't go anywhere. It continues right here on America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Our phone number, if you want to join the conversation here, we're live and we're national. Uh, It's America's late night town hall. Give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ, and that is Valdez with an S at the end. Now, uh, President Trump today made his way from Trump Tower to the arraignment location, which was downtown and uh, had the arraignment process, was there with uh, members of his legal team, and left, he he waved to the people, went back on Trump Force One, flew back to Mar-a-Lago, and it was there that he announced uh, who the real criminal is, listen to this.
4: The criminal is the district attorney because he illegally leaked massive amounts of grand jury information. for which he should be prosecuted, or at a minimum, he should resign.
1: So, I happen to, uh, to agree. I think what's <laughs> happening here is criminal. That's just my opinion. But what do I know? I'm not a lawyer. I'm a radio guy. So, I said, let's get to the bottom of this and bring in one of uh, Trump's attorneys. Jesse Bunnell is part of Trump's uh, legal team, and uh, he's with us to help make sense of some of this. Jesse Bunnell, welcome.
6: Rich, thanks so much for having me tonight.
1: You bet. You bet. So today was the big day. I think uh, for many, it was somewhat anticlimactic. There was uh, so much of what they thought was going to happen with perp walks and with this, that and the other thing didn't happen as as the media was, I guess, uh, salivating and hoping it, they, it would happen. But um, what did happen is Alvin Bragg um, kind of um, making things up out of whole cloth, in, in my opinion. W- what did you make of this indictment that didn't say a whole lot of everything?
6: Well, I mean, that's exactly right. it It didn't say anything. it was it was paper thin. Um, and I mean, yes, he had thirty four different counts, but it was thirty four different counts that uh, w- was more of a piece of political propaganda than it was an actual legal document. In fact, he was in, in his press conference, he was actually called out for the fact that it didn't have any legal basis uh, in it. And instead of fighting back and trying to provide any legal basis, he just kind of popped his chest out and said, oh, I don't have to do that. Um, and it's that there's an arrogance that, that he has, because he ran on prosecuting Donald J. Trump. And it, as far as he's concerned, he's kept that campaign promise. But what he's done is he's violated uh, his oath as an attorney. He has um, really uh, committed, in, in my opinion, several very serious crimes. Um, President Trump today talked about uh, leaking grand jury material, very serious crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, if, if Alvin Bragg was involved in that or someone from his office almost certainly was, that's a very serious crime. But on top of that, even more serious is the politicalization of our judicial system. Um, there are federal offenses that are on the books today, um, that specifically prohibit people from, um, violating civil rights under color of law, which is, in my opinion, it's exactly what Elvin Bragg is, is doing um, in these cases. Um, and it's uh, you know, we really need some very serious uh, federal prosecutors in the next administration who will stand up to these uh, bully left-wing attorneys um, who are simply trying to target conservatives target people like, like Donald J. Trump. Um, and, um, and, you know, this, obviously this justice department isn't going to do it, even though it's a federal offense, but the next justice department should.
1: Now, Jesse Bennell uh, I think so many people listen to what you said, and there's some that agree and others that say, but you know what? Nobody is above the law. And, and we have yep. to hold Donald Trump accountable and yada, yada, yada. And not that I don't believe in those things. I do. I think people, nobody is above the law and we have to hold people accountable. But um, one of the people we have to hold accountable is, is this prosecutor, right, who's bringing this case, in, in my opinion, in a way that's just so slapshot where, you know, yeah. he, even the media, right, the media in New York of all places, asking him and questioning him, saying, you know, but... You've alluded to this crime or other crimes, concealment of another crime, but you haven't outlined or delineated any of these crimes in the indictment. And like you said, quite arrogantly, he says, well, I don't have to do that under the, the state law here in New York. Uh, but how far does he – can he get away with that for the entire process or at some point, uh, at some point do we like call BS on it and what happens here?
6: Well, yeah, at some point they are going to, to call him out on it. He's going to have to pro, uh, try to provide a legal basis um, when there's a motion to dismiss made. Uh, and so that's going to be – he's going to have to put his cards on the table, and it's going to be seen for just as as paper-thin as it is when he tries to respond to a motion to dismiss. And let me just say about the uh, the folks out there. A lot of well-meaning folks that say, well, nobody's, uh, nobody's above the law. That is 100 percent right. And um, the incredible thing here is prosecutor after prosecutor, uh, committee after committee, everyone has sifted through Donald Trump's life because they hate him so much, because he stands up you know, against the establishment and for the American people. And this is what they're able to come up with? This imaginary <laughs> offense? This is it? It's not that he's above the law at all. in fact, what it is is these prosecutors, people like Alvin Bragg, people like Jack Smith, uh, yeah, people like the prosecutor in Georgia, they think he's below the law they think right. and it's it's not only him, they think that that people that believe like he does, people that are against the the, the big government establishment that is ruled D.C. for too long. They think we are below the law and we are not entitled to the protection of the laws. And that, that right there is the most dangerous thing our country has dealt with in many, many years.
1: Folks, we're on with Jesse Bennell. He's part of President Trump's legal team, and we're going to continue with him discussing uh, the news of the day with this indictment, as well as um, um, something he mentioned about how they're coming after Trump under color of law, which is a civil rights violation. So keep it locked right here. Don't go anywhere. Our guest, Jesse Bennell. I'm Rich Valdez. We'll be right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
4: This is a persecution, not an investigation. She's put our family through hell. It's cost hundreds of millions of dollars to defend. But our heads are held very, very high. They want to settle the case, but I want no part of that.
1: He wants no part of it, neither do I. Uh, That's President Trump speaking at Mar-a-Lago just a couple of hours ago. Our guest is Trump Trump legal team attorney, Jesse Benal. Jesse, welcome back. Um, So Trump has been uh, talking about this, saying, you know, that these guys are out to get him. And, you know, I think oftentimes um, people hear that and they're like, oh, he's, you know, he's crying wolf. Uh, But the more you see it, the more you start to realize, holy crap, this is, they're really after this guy. (laughs) And and one can't help but think there's no stopping them if they want to come for you.
6: No, that's right. I mean, we have a very serious problem that I have, uh, you know, been kind of calling out for a number of years now um, that goes back—well, it goes back millennia. It's it's something that the Romans talked about, which is who will guard the guardians. And uh, prosecutors—there's too many prosecutors out there, um, especially this current batch of Soros prosecutors, um, who— truly believe they're above the law and that they are going to accomplish their political goals through, uh, through prosecutions. Um, it's no longer about keeping people safe. you know, and, and they feel safe doing this because they know that Republicans will never uh, retaliate for it, because Republicans are interested in prosecuting criminals. Democrats are interested in prosecuting Republicans. Um, and, and that's a, a very, very dangerous place that that we're in right now. And, you know, the simple fact is it's time that we wake up and realize that unilateral disarmament never, ever worked. Um, and we need to start pushing back hard against those that are doing this, because, um, like I say, it's, as I've already explained, it's, it's a violation of federal law. I think there needs to be new, robust federal laws against this that are passed. I think we, Congress needs to, uh, pull all funding for prosecution offices um, that, are, uh, that are engaged in these activities. And so, you know, the House of Representatives, I, I think we as Americans all expect that, you know, our, our Republican House of Representatives members better get to the bottom of this. Um, because if you vote to send money to one of these offices that's doing this, uh, in my mind, you're not a Republican. You're just, you're just a uniparty stooge.
1: Jesse Bennell, uh, you, you mentioned something earlier, and I, I agree with you. I think you're right on point with it if If we continue to see these political persecutions, not prosecutions uh, against people and and uh, it, this is a violation of their civil rights, and it makes me wonder, a, if it's doable or B, you know what your thought is, you know being at the forefront of these battles of allowing a new protected class to exist of one's political identity, right? So, you know, you can't yeah. pick on me for being Puerto Rican, uh, but you can pick on me for being a Republican and get away with it. Right. And, yeah. And, and that's wrong, in my opinion.
6: No, that's right, because at the end of the day, what they've done is they've handpicked th- their groups that are above reproach. Um, they have decided that it's okay for— Trans folks to storm state capitol buildings without it being a major news story um, and without seeing the, the hypocrisy for the way the media treated uh, folks that, you know, went to the capitol on, on January 6th. Um, mm-hmm. the, the hypocrisy in, in both the media and, and of course, in, the, uh, for, in, in politics that we see now is, is really quite staggering and, and uh, something we need to pay attention to.
1: Now, uh, do, do you think this is something that any, uh, and again, this is more of a political question than a legal one, uh, but do, do you think there will be the political will or the, the desire amongst the, the body politic to to bring about something like that, where people are now protected by their political speech uh, as like a protected class, like a civil rights type of thing? Or is that just, you know, me and a pipe dream? It
6: shouldn't be. I mean, this should bring it up to the forefront where— it's time for people to wake up. Um, this is not about Donald Trump. It's about all of us. And if we don't stand up and stand with him right now, and if if we don't, you know, go toe to toe with these, you know, left wing bully prosecutors like like Alvin Bragg, and uh, then we're not going to have a country anymore. We're certainly not going to have the country that our founders gave us that was, that was based on individual rights and liberties for, you know, rights like the First Amendment, you know, the, the First Amendment, uh, the, the left wants freedom of speech for me, but not for thee. They are going mm-hmm. to do everything they can to shoot down um, our our freedom of speech um, and to target us politically. And they have the means to do it. So unless we stand up, and I really truly believe the American people are getting it, uh, the 75 million people that voted uh, plus that voted for Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, I guarantee you, they're getting it. And there's a whole bunch of new Trump voters um, because of this, because of what we're seeing right now. Yeah, they're getting it. Oh yeah. Um. So. Uh, so I gotta tell you that, um, I really truly, I, yeah. There's something out there that you see right now. You, you see it by the first-time donors um, that have donated to. Um, of the trump campaign recently uh you see people that are are really really waking up and uh, you know if if you can pull something really good out of a horrible situation i mean today is is one of the most embarrassing days in our country's history yeah and if we're going to pull something good out of it it's going to be that it's got to awaken um the american people to to stand up their constitutional rights. Is if not, yeah, it's like the president says we're not to have a country anymore.
1: Yeah, now Jesse bennell yesterday night uh had a uh, trial lawyer uh who identified as a democrat and uh mm-hmm. we, we were talking about, you know, some pre-arraignment analysis. Uh, a guy named Andy Trusevich and he said he, he said uh, he had no doubt in his mind that you guys were going to win this case and that this thing was an assault on his profession as as a jurist. And uh, and and he was just really out of sorts about this thing. I couldn't believe that this thing was moving forward from what he'd seen in the media. And I guess today he probably feels even worse now that he's probably read the indictment. Um, what do you think, <clears throat> I guess you personally think, happens moving forward? And what can the American people expect moving forward?
6: Yeah, that's a great question. And um, so, first of all, Alvin Bragg, is bringing this case and bring this case in manhattan um because he believes donald trump can't get a fair trial there he, he was able to, to to use his magic to make sure that this made it in front of a judge of his choosing a judge you know whose whose daughter is extraordinarily politically involved with um you know with adam shift and and with uh kamala harris and, and others um and so he's uh, there's a prosecutor right now that certainly appears to be trying to do a railroad job on this. And and I'm not confident that this judge is going to have any interest in standing up for it. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm quite afraid that he is a willing uh, participant in, in that railroad job. Um, and so, um, and, and again, uh, to go back to, to history, this is one of the, the things that was in the Declaration of Independence that the but the founders actually put in there as to one of the indictments against King George was that he was hauling them uh, across seas, you know, back to London to stand trial for mm. pretend offenses where they couldn't get fair trials. Um, and it, I mean, the, the simple fact is in the, the Manhattan jury pool is, is not likely to be one friendly to, to Donald Trump. It's not likely that he can get a fair trial there. Um, but that's not what Alvin Bragg wants. But at the end of the day, this is a case that can be won on the facts or the law. It is factually completely baseless, but it is embarrassingly devoid of legal support. And yeah, like you said, it really is an assault on the legal profession. Um, so I am, I am confident that somewhere along the line, whether it's, um, in, uh, in New York uh, in, in Manhattan, or in New York's appellate courts, or in the United States Supreme Court, um, that this is a, a case that will ultimately be won uh, by mm-hmm. President Trump, and it should be. Is he's solidly right? He's solidly right on right. the back of the end of law.
1: Now, um, with uh, the remaining uh, moment we have, let everybody know how they could uh, keep up to speed with the work that you're doing, if they want to follow you, or you know, keep up with the work that you're doing.
6: Yeah. Um, I stay active on social media, um, uh, particularly on Twitter and on uh, on True Social. On both of those platforms, I'm at J-B-I-N-N-A-L-L. And they can always go to my firm's website, banal.com.
1: All right. Jesse Benal, part of Trump's legal team. Thanks for joining us. Hope to have you back soon with an even better update. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. You bet. Anytime. All right. More to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about China and what's going on with the spy balloon that didn't spy, but it actually did. We're going to get into that with Aaron Walsh. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez right here on America at Night.
10: way about just what China may have been able to glean, can you update us at all? on the timeline for how much is left in that review and whether there are any plans to brief Congress over the president to speak publicly about that. So as you mentioned, there is a review being done by the FBI. I believe uh, my colleagues spoke to this yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to confirm or address that report, but what I'll say, I'll say a couple of things from here. Look, we knew the flight path of the balloon before it crossed the United States. That's something that I said from here. Uh, uh, We took precautions in advance to ensure that it didn't get sensitive information. Also something uh, that I said from this podium, uh, during that time, when it comes to technology like this balloon, it has limited additive value compared to other means of intelligent collection. So the bo- the bottom line, uh, the administration identified this problem and it did something uh, about it. And uh, again, not going to confirm or address it. As you said, there's an ongoing review. Don't have a timeline on that.
1: What? <laughs> All right. Welcome back. Uh, it's Rich Valdez. And uh, yeah, I don't know what Karine Jean-Pierre knows about intelligent collection of any type uh intelligent and karine jean pierre seem to not jibe very well but we're going to talk about china and clearly uh she's good at not talking about china and kind of just obfuscating when it comes to anything china like the fact that we're involved in a new cold war with china and uh we're going to get to that we're going to get to um, a little bit more on this balloon stuff and i want to get with an expert on china Senior Research Fellow for the Heritage Foundation, Aaron Walsh, welcome.
10: Thanks so much, Rich. Appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Glad to be here tonight. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, we're live and I'm on the East Coast, so it's late for me. I don't know how late it is for you, but I always appreciate it when people stay up because we don't pre-tape anything.
10: Okay, okay great.
1: <laughs> so, All's welcome. Better. Let's talk about uh let's uh, th- this stuff. Um first of all what what is your initial reaction to to the White House's comments that um you know well, we don't know what this thing did, and we do know, you know we do know like there's reporting out there <laughs> that this thing you know right. was all over our military installations and did a couple of laps, and they got what they wanted, and they got it really close and and uh the White House is just you know mums the word
10: right, so it's really um unfortunate that that's how they responded because um the American people deserve to know. The Chinese know exactly what's in there. They knew it was not a weather balloon. We knew it was not a weather balloon. Our uh, military, many, many people involved in the uh, rescue of the balloon um, contents at the bottom of the, the sea, they know what's there. And so the American people deserve to know what's there. And it absolutely was a spy balloon. And um, fortunately, or unfortunately, this was big enough that it actually someone else had to go in their backyard and take a picture of it, and then it became a household um, item at the dinner table that everybody was talking about. So it's it's good that it's out there now.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And tell us how this fits into your analysis on on this winning the new cold war. Right, you guys have put together this report. And uh, yeah. a plan for countering China, and and this is you know something I think that we should never ever take our foot off the gas when it when it comes to fighting China and, and communism overall. How, how does um, you know fighting the this part of it, right? The espionage and the mm-hmm. overt uh, uh, attack on us. Um, how does that fit into your plan? So
10: it's a key part of it. I mean, it definitely, That's it's one of four main parts of this new paper that actually was just launched last week, as a matter of fact. And mm. and there's been a lot of different papers and analysis that have been put out there um, in the last several years, actually, um, that talk about the threat and, and what's going on. But it's all very disparate. And I think what Heritage really wanted to do was to Bring it to a core following the Trump administration, who first recognized in 2016 that we were, this was just not a normal uh, situation which was going on, that in fact the United States had made a great and grave mistake. Most all of us did. Um, I spent some time in Beijing myself, and, and so. Many of us came home and realized that what was really going on. And and sadly, we had made that mistake, hoping that China would have a peaceful rise. And in fact, if they had a McDonald's like we did on every corner practically and a Starbucks, they would be like us. And they would once we, they got into the WTO, the World Trade Organization, in 2021, and they began to advance economically, that we would all be on the same page and live happily ever after. Well, we we found out that um, that's not the case. And once we started opening up the hood of the, the engine, we saw that there's a lot that's been going on for a long time, and they've made a very concerted effort and have been executing on a very, very comprehensive plan, both at the federal level against the United States, um, building against us, and targeting us, our people, our institutions, and at the federal level, as I said, and at the state and local level. So, that means everything from spying on the United States to stealing intellectual property to stealing massive amounts of data um and and really billions and billions of dollars that have been uh, allowed them to to grow tremendously economically and to fight against us
1: oh that's it huh <laughs> that's plenty <laughs> <laughs>
10: yeah, no that's that's plenty sorry <laughs>
1: Yeah, all right, folks. I just want to remind everybody we're on with Aaron Walsh, senior research fellow from the Heritage Foundation, discussing uh, their their new paper. And uh, uh, Aaron, in this report, you said there's four major areas. Uh, outline uh-huh. those four areas for us.
10: Sure. Well, the first is economic. So the U.S. must um, advance economically. We must protect our homeland. We need to reorient it, reorient it, our defense posture, and then um, hold. China accountable and diminish their influence. And um, not only the, their influence, but their infiltration into the United States. So those are really the four the four key areas. And not only do we set out various things that have been taking place, but we also come up with some policy recommendations and key solutions for doing this. The paper itself is over 100 pages, and we've had over Thirty contributions from different experts and policy analysts um, around the nation, so that have contributed to this. So it's not just Heritage that has done this at all. It's a, a group of experts that have come together to put this important piece together. So we we feel it as a starting point, and sure. um, we've got a long way right, way to go.
1: Yeah, well, I'd like to start with the fourth point, uh, which was the uh, the infiltration, because I feel like uh, both. You know the the Chinese are subverting uh, our republic. They're um, they're infiltrating with espionage. They're stealing whatever they can, and of mm-hmm. course they're able to do that because of point number one, which was their economic growth. And um, right. you know we play a large part in that, as you mentioned, with uh, allowing them into the World Trade Organization and just legitimizing them in so many ways. So um, I'd like to pick up on that when we come back. Folks, if you want to sure. join the conversation and ask a question of Aaron Walsh, Senior Research Fellow at the Heritage Foundation, give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833 482 Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Aaron Walsh, Senior Research Fellow at the Heritage Foundation, discussing China and how they are subverting the republic, or at least trying to, uh, through espionage and um, the theft of our intellectual property. And you name it, they do it. Um, You know, I'm the last guy that's ever going to be sympathetic towards China. Even if they did something good, I'd I'd blame them for doing something bad. Uh, Aaron Walsh, let's let's start with that point and talk about your report and how and how you know, how do we stop this from happening?
10: So one of the main things is, first of all, I think you know, Rich, is to get the word out, to begin to educate the American people, because this is really a whole-of-nation effort. This is not Mm -hmm. like Afghanistan, where, you know, it was pretty much taking place in Washington and with our military, and even the Iraq War, even though we had our troops, you know, risk their lives and lose their lives. This is really something that is deeply embedded and infiltrated throughout our society. So let's just start with a couple of things. Number one, the spying. The spying is massive across the United States right now. Um, recently, now, Let I me just clarify.
1: It. Are you talking about sure. Spy Balloon or are you talking about tick Well,
10: all kinds of things. So Spy Balloon is, is, is one of them, and they were very focused on our, our critical infrastructure and our military sites and even where you know some of our uh, nuclear sites are. So that was very, very scary what they were doing. Um, Something that we also want to talk about is TikTok. And that that goes to another area, which is the technology and protecting the homeland and our personal data and that sort of thing. But TikTok, yes, of course, they're spying on our youth. Um, By collecting the data by their own algorithms are really having a big impact not only on the way a conversation or a bias goes but it has also been able to influence elections and influence viewpoints and it's even caused much harm and danger to young people so we're hoping that tiktok is banned um altogether. but there's other sites too like uh wechat is another one and there's a couple of other buying
1: um, now wechat sites. that's the one that they use in china right
10: yes exactly that's one that they use in China, but you can also download it here as well. So if people here are communicating with friends back in China or are uh, here on a green card or a student visa, or, uh, you know, even have family, they might be a Chinese American with family back there. They will download that. So that's, that's a real problem because it does similar things. I mean, it doesn't have the fancy videos um, and, and it, it's not near, nearly, you know, 150 million of American uh, citizens on, but it certainly has the, the ability to collect data. So that's very, very scary. The spy balloon, of course, is another one. But other areas that that um, we found out when I was in the Trump administration of the National Security Council was Confucius Institutes, which have been on university mm. campuses. There were hundreds of them across university campuses in the United States. Um, and those are really a base camp for uh, the Chinese for their um, United Work Front Group, which is really their top spy institute that works with their Ministry of State Security. And so they would thought that they were benign, that they were really teaching about Chinese culture and um, courses in, in Mandarin and things like that. So they really were a real... Front. And people, of course, believed them until we found out what they were really about. And unfortunately, many of these universities that were forced to shut these down, they actually still continued to get funding from the Chinese, but they've been put under a different department in the university or they're called a different title. So there were Confucius Institutes and then there were K-12 through Confucius Classrooms. So they were going all the way down to the K-12 through 12 level of education. So that's very scary. And I just want um,
1: for you to elaborate, because sure. I'm, I'm familiar with Confucius Institutes, yeah. but I don't know that everyone in the audience is. Uh, just give us a quick overview yeah. of, of what they're promoting.
10: So basically, on the, on the front, they are promoting people-to-people cultural exchanges, basically. So come to a Confucius Institute on the university, and we will share the great culture of the Chinese people, which indeed is a great, great thousands of year old culture, but that's not what they were actually doing. They might have some courses in that, but they were also, it was infiltrated with Chinese people that had alternative um, things in mind, such as buying and building contacts and networks and really embedding themselves within the society. So you see this also in other areas where they try to influence um, political figures, such as Representative Eric Swalwell out of Mm -hmm. California. We've heard a lot about that. So, again, it's really embedding themselves in society, becoming friendly with people, and really trying to not only... for spying purposes for espionage and, and collection purposes, but also really to share the viewpoint of the CCP, um, which That's is really developed. That is. So many people were not involved directly with, you know, espionage activities per se, but they were influencers trying to, to sway people's opinion and think only positive things about Xi Jinping and the Chinese um, Communist Party, and that and that's a problem because oftentimes they would do it um, against the United States itself. So they would say that the United States is the one that is the aggressor. that it's the United States that's the one that's picking on China, and so it was a, had a real negative impact. And if you go down through the K through twelve classrooms where they're actually trying to teach young children um, about the language and the culture. They're also teaching them a lot about supporting China and the China view, Chinese view of history.
1: All right, folks, we're on with Aaron Walsh. Aaron Walsh is a senior research fellow in the International Affairs and Asia Studies Center at Heritage Foundation, and we're going to continue with this conversation. Uh, in particular, uh, I'd like to hit on the economy when we come back and how we can slow them down from their massive economic growth because without money it's hard to do anything. Just look at Iran, right? When we were a starving Iran of funds, they were in check. Now they're not because they're getting money again. And uh you would think it's a simple concept, but not simple enough for our friends in the Biden administration. Anyway, don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. Our guest is Aaron Walsh. We're coming right back.
0: This is America at night with Rich Valdez. America at night with Rich Valdez.
1: We're on with Asia expert Aaron Walsh from Heritage. And Aaron Walsh, uh, tell us how we can contain China's economy as part of the plan that you guys have put together.
10: Well, we want to contain their economy, but more importantly, we want to strengthen and grow our own, which is obviously focused on removing the massive regulatory state that we have, removing the mandates that we have on ESG, gaining our own energy independence back like we did under the Trump administration, and stop relying on this ridiculous environmental, you know, EVs and everything else where we're totally dependent on China for batteries, for critical minerals, which we have our own. We've got to stop relying on them. We've got to get our own semiconductor supply chain back to the United States or with our friends. And we've got to protect our intellectual property and our data. That is absolutely critical for us right now.
1: And if people want to, um, you know, take a look at this report or, you know, keep yeah, up to speed sure. with the work that you're doing and uh, all uh-huh. of your scholarship, how do they do that?
10: They can go to the heritagefoundation.org website, and if they, it'll be at the top. This paper will be at the top, but if they want to look at any number of subjects and anything that's been written on China, it's all there. And it's, it's terrific stuff because I really highly encourage people to, to go to the website and to learn as much as they can right now because this is the greatest, the greatest struggle of our time right now, and, and we must win this war. We must win this um, to protect our freedoms and our life and our own liberty.
1: Well, Aaron Walsh and the scholars at Heritage have done the heavy lifting, and they've put the report together, so I recommend you go and check it out at heritage.org. Uh, Aaron Walsh, is there any social media accounts that you want people to follow you on?
10: Just um, all of our Heritage stuff. Is, we've got videos and shorts and, and all sorts of things that are available to everybody, and I would highly recommend that people people take a look at that because it's there's a lot to learn and a lot to engage on and we really need everybody's help on this it's a nationwide opportunity
1: all hands on deck erin walsh thank yes, you for is. joining us i appreciate Thanks
10: it so much rich Thanks you're welcome so have, have a good evening. night Bye.
1: yes keep up the great work And uh, straight ahead, it's Open Phone America. We're going to take your calls on everything under the sun. One of the stories I'm looking at here is this Chinese undertakers are using artificial intelligence to allow families to talk with the deceased. So move over, John Edwards and uh, the Long Island medium. Looks like we can use AI from China to talk to the dead. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. It's Rich Valdez. Open Phone starts right now. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and our telephone number if you want to join this national conversation live and late night. The phone number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833, I forgot the number, 482-5337. All right, so we've had a lot of discussion tonight with a lot of great guests, we uh, kicked it off at the top of the hour with uh, somebody that was live at Mar-a-Lago while Trump uh, was had just wrapped up giving his, his speech that he gave uh, in primetime tonight uh, in response to Alvin Bragg. And uh, that was Donald Trump Jr. who joined us. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, check out the podcast. Um you can get that at Richvaldes America at night And I highly recommend subscribing to the podcast so you get notifications when we have a new episode. And you can just either let them pile up, never listen to them at all, or you can say, Oh my gosh, I want to hear what this person had to say, or I'd love to hear that conversation, and you can click on that one. But this way you know when new new episodes are out. And um those come out daily about an hour after this program wraps. And uh, that's the uh, podcast. Now, the other uh, conversations we had after that, we spoke with uh, Trump's former attorney and former deputy attorney general, former United States attorney, former mayor of the city of New York, Rudy Giuliani. He weighed in on this and uh, had a lot of interesting things to say. And that uh, concluded. uh, Before we move on from Rudy, we have some audio from my conversation with Rudy. Listen to this.
7: I don't know how many crimes there are in the Penal Code of New York, but there are probably a thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crime that he probably is talking about, however, and the reason he's kind of shy to put it in, because it's a joke. The, the crime he's talking about is a federal campaign violation. And I think even uh, just an ordinary citizen would say, how could a state prosecutor charge a federal crime? Right. Well, he can't. He can't. So, I mean, he is uh, checkmated.
1: All right. That's uh, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani there. And following that, we had a conversation with uh, one of uh, President Trump's lawyers, Jesse Banal. And he gave us a lot of the procedural breakdown as well. So uh, lots of discussion on uh, the big story of the day, which was... Uh, Trump's in, in indictment, or I should say arraignment, and uh, then we followed that up with uh, some in-depth uh, conversation on China, on the spy balloon, how they uh, were getting intel on our military sites, on how they're taking over in so many different aspects of American society through the Confucius Institutes. Great um, conversation with Aaron Walsh from the Heritage Foundation. So um, make sure you check that out. If you you heard it, then great. If you didn't hear it, listen to it, send it to a friend. Now, I want to continue talking about China and talk about how these undertakers are using artificial intelligence to help families speak with their deceased loved ones. Yep, that's a thing. That's actually a story that's in the Straits Times focused on Asia. This is great. you got to listen to this. So, with just a photo, a voice recording, and some machine learning, undertakers in China are able to use AI to generate lifelike avatars of people who've died, allowing your loved ones to now communicate with you. With the Qingming Festival just around the corner, some funeral companies are using technologies such as ChatGPT and AI Chatbot and AI Program MidJourney to mimic the deceased's personality, appearance, voice, and even memories to allow people to relive moments with their loved ones who have departed the living world. Isn't that crazy? It's exciting and crazy at the same time. Qingming festival also known as tomb sweeping day falls on april fifth this year and is typically observed by ethnic chinese all over the world it's a public holiday in china devoted to remembering and honoring the dead on this day people clean and decorate gravesites they burn joss paper and they make food offerings so what a great time to introduce this new a.i. Um, service where you can do that now this reminds me of a podcast i did a while back maybe about a year ago where they were offering this service where you can have your Alexa programmed in the voice of a deceased loved one. And at the time, I thought, man, I don't know if I would find it creepy or comforting if I were to use, like, my mom's voice on my Alexa rather than, you know, Alexa, who sounds so dry and robotic. You know, and I thought, you know, that would be interesting, but my mother had so much personality. So then I thought, maybe, you know, that's not a good idea, and I let it go. And then I saw a follow-up article on that where... You could also use, like, famous people. And one of the people that had done some recordings for it was uh, the actor and um, rapper, Ice-T. And and I thought, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of ice teas. I love ice tea. But I thought, man, imagine that. You know, now you can get your Alexa to be like any famous person or famous people who've done the recordings, or that they could use to to design uh, your Alexa. But um, very interesting the way AI is taking over so much of everything. And just like TikTok, it seems like an innocuous dance challenge or a dance video, but it really might be something else. And that is the part that I think is scary. So. We're going to get into some discussion with our callers. Uh, We've got calls from Atlanta, from New Jersey, from Manila, Philippines, from all over the place that are coming through right now. So we're going to get to you guys momentarily. Uh, But uh, my thought is I want to talk about this China AI stuff, and then we're going to get into some other stuff. There's another guy who criticized the cartel, and uh, after criticizing the cartel, he was last seen being abducted and, like, beaten uh, on video before he disappeared. Um, not making, that's not a joke. That's a real story. And, um, while my initial reaction was probably inappropriate, I, I, like nervous laughter, cause you think, oh my gosh, like wh- what would you expect? Um, But um, that's a real story, so we're going to get you the scoop on that one as well. Plus, I've got some audio I want to share with you as well. Uh, With respect to everything that went down today, always trying to keep you up to speed on what's going on in America at night. Right here, keep it locked. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. 833-4-VALDES That's 833-482-5337 833-4-VALDES That's VALDES with an S
1: What's up America? Welcome back. It's America at Night and we're taking your calls on Open Phone America. This is a tradition started by the late great Larry King and continued by Jim Bohannon uh, for 30 years on his program. And uh, a tradition I intend to honor in my time here as well. And um, the phone number eight three three four Valdez. Let's go to Pennsville, New Jersey. W D E L. Hank, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome.
11: Hey, Rich. Fine job you're doing, kid. Thank Listen, you, Listen, uh, I missed the uh, I missed the uh, interview you had with Aaron Walsh. I wanted to ask if there's anything that can be done about the land that the chinese own around our military bases and um I wasn't able to get through
1: yeah so, uh, that's a that's a great question and one we should probably explore a little bit further but you know the I, i'm i'm going to tell you as a kid right and this is just me thinking out of the box when when I was a kid there was Neighborhoods in in Brooklyn. I grew up in in the Midwood section of Brooklyn. And if you went just around the corner, you know it was, it was a very Jewish area. And if you went a little bit further down Flatbush Avenue, it became very Haitian in that area. And if you went a little bit the other way towards uh, Kings Highway, further towards Sheepshead Bay, very Russian in that area. And and everybody lived in their own little community, but it was a melting pot, and there were people from everywhere all over. Uh, but but everybody knew which neighborhood they were in, and everybody knew you know, in, in so many words, how to act, right? It had nothing to do with race. It just had to do with knowing what part of town you were in. And and the way they maintain those neighborhoods, uh, Chinatown, for example, that type of thing, um, or even like the Brighton Beach area, which is, you know, all Russian, the, the way you maintain that or take an area over and keep it is by making sure once you buy property, you don't you don't sell it to somebody else, right? You keep it in the family you, you, through inheritance or through whatever. And, uh, you know, and invite your family members to also move to town if they see a vacancy, uh, you know, a house that's for sale or whatever. And and that type of thinking seems to have gone away. And I can't imagine, you know, uh, uh, listen, maybe people are pressed for cash. Uh, I, I know we all are. But I can't imagine me wanting to sell something, a uh, piece of property, and, and the highest bidder being, you know, I don't know, uh, China Inc., And me going, yeah, let's let's sell it to them. It sounds like a good idea. No, it sounds like a horrible idea, (laughs) an absolutely horrible idea. The last thing we should do is sell our properties to to China. Now, I realize it's not always that cut and dry. Sometimes you're selling to whomever. Sometimes there are foreclosures on American banks and these American banks have partners um, that are, you know, uh, Chinese. Or you know Chinese banks buy these uh, smaller American finance companies, so I, I know that that type of thing happens as well. But you're right; there should be um, there should be some sort of uh, protection uh, against foreign nationals from any, whether it's a hostile uh, country or not. Um, you know, at least we need to look into it and and know what's going on because the last thing we need now is for for China to um, to own the house across the street or the you know, strip mall across the street from a military installation. And, and we know that they do this type of thing because I remember of some years ago, um, under the guise of, Oh, we want to open a water park. They tried to buy a, a piece of coastal property in Puerto Rico and say they wanted to make it into a water park. But in reality, they wanted to have control over a port and, and this has always been their MO whether the small fake uh, micro islands that they have in the South China Sea or what they're doing in the Panama Canal that the Chinese want to control the movement through through the water this is a big push of theirs they've been pushing and they've been very aggressive building up their navy uh something the United States or anybody else I think has has not been doing and If we know that the Chinese are trying to get into places like Puerto Rico and say they're opening a water park or or that type of thing, uh, even though it's in a port, then it's clear to me that we um, we need to take note and be very, very cautious and be very careful, because clearly the last thing we need is uh, nuclear China, who who hates the US uh, because we're their biggest adversary, um, you know, being closer than Cuba. Right? I mean, that's just my thinking, Hank. Hey, thanks for your time, Rich. You bet. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody listening on DEL down in the Pennsylvania, South Jersey, Delaware area. I want to continue our conversation. Let us go to Steve. Steve is in Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA. Steve, go right ahead, sir.
8: Hey, Mr. Valdez. Thanks for taking my call. Really appreciate it. You bet. All right. All right. Hey, um, I think it's really disingenuous of you to take on yes. such awesome people as um, your your last guest and Giuliani and not taking on at least two phone calls. And I don't know what your thing is about just allowing these people to talk. And, 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 and they would love it if you allowed it. But you don't. You decide. What are you talking about, sir? going to talk and no one else gets to talk. And no, that I'm, is I'm asking th-
1: you a question. What are you talking about? You're saying to allow callers while the guests are on?
8: No, Hello? when you guests are on to allow at least two calls from guests.
1: I allow it all. If people want to call during that time, they're welcome to call. You allowed nothing over the last two hours. You did nothing but. It's talk- not that I didn't allow it. Nobody called.
8: No, I called. Oh, I didn't see you on
1: the call screen.
8: So nobody called. Okay, well, then you're definitely. Exactly. Nobody called. The producer didn't put me on.
1: That that might be a possibility. I didn't see anything, uh, but yeah, we we whenever we can take a call from somebody for our guests. This is why when I come into the segment, I tell people uh, if you have a question for our guest so and so, give us a call at eight three three four Valdez. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Look, Giul- Giuliani's a both. He's a trial lawyer. He was a uh, he was a prosecutor, and he is a radio guy. So I mean, if anybody could handle uh, a call, it's Rudy Giuliani, and I, I would love that. Um, tag team approach but it just it didn't happen so anyway um thank you for your commentary i appreciate it uh and the allegations of being disingenuous i've been called worst, but uh i'll take it i'll take it and i appreciate the call let us continue let's go to chad in hopkinsville kentucky whop chad you're on with rich valdez welcome
3: Hey, Rich. Uh, I was wondering why nobody, uh, none, none of the major news networks are talking about the digital currency that uh, Biden passed this week um, and how our cash is going to be useless in a couple months. Um, but yeah. you don't hear it, now of it on the news radio.
1: Sure. Well, um, we had a, a segment with um, E.J. Anthony, great economist on this, uh, a couple of weeks ago and if you want to check it out you can go to com uh if you want to hear the the interview uh but uh as far as i know this is a a initiative that they're trying to pilot um in in the administration but there hasn't been um some major movement on it that i know of um maybe you can tell me something about that
3: i mean i've just seen uh you know videos on the internet of, uh, they were talking about how our cash would be useless in a couple of months.
0: Um, they yeah,
1: I don't know that work. that's going to be true at, at all. And, and I'm, I'm just going to share this thought with you, and then you could continue. But, um, yeah, I don't think our cash is going to be useless in a couple of months. Uh, but it's true that with this central bank digital currency, eventually, yeah, cash will be useless, and they will control how and, and when you can use your cash. And uh, that, to me, is is a very scary proposition, Chad. Me too,
5: me too.
1: <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, you bet. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for the call from WHOP Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Yeah, central bank digital currency, bad idea, in my opinion. Uh, the last thing, just like the, the I'm going to call it a digital car, but it's an EV, right, an electric vehicle. The The idea that you can... And not that I'm recommending anybody not pay their car note, <laughs> but I am saying if you have a car and you don't pay it, they can like, you know, program the car to just drive itself back. If it's a Tesla or one of those self-driving cars, that that to me is a, a no bueno, right? Same thing with these um, digital currencies. If they don't like what you do or if you don't have a good, um, what's that called, Um uh, Environmental social governance score ESG score, which is like a social credit score, uh, they could say well you know what let 's let 's not allow you to fly on you know domestic flights or international flights or whatever flights or you can 't do this or you can 't do that or you don 't have this privilege or that privilege and uh, you know we 've seen how difficult things can be for people who have credit versus people who don 't have credit. just imagine if if this now made it to well, you supported um, you know, free speech, and we think free speech is misinformation, so you're out of here. And we've seen PayPal come out with um, various proposals on that. Lots of companies are taking a, a hard-line approach against people who believe in free speech. So what do we do? I don't know. I don't know the answer to this one. I know we've just we got to stop it from happening is what we got to do. Anyway, we're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead, and I promise I will get to your calls and uh, keep the criticism coming keeps me uh keeps me on my toes eight three three four valdez eight three three four eight two five three three seven is the phone number looking forward to speaking with you guys and up next your calls plus another one of these crazy stories and i got some audio for you so don't go anywhere keep it locked right here it's america at night with rich valdez
2: Charge is falsifying business records. Uh, the charge requires, as I, as I uh, specified, uh, cr- criminal conduct that was concealed. Uh, one of the concealed crimes we allege is New York State election law. Uh, I sort of went through in our statement of facts. Which I think many of you have in front of you. Um, you know, goes through um, things including um, you know text messages, emails, contemporaneous phone records, multiple witnesses, all of that. Uh, will be, as you saw in the fall, uh, born out in a public courtroom uh, in downtown Manhattan.
1: And Bragg uh, talking a whole lot of smack, in my opinion. But that was the scene outside of the um, district attorney's office earlier today at the courthouse during the uh, right following the Trump arraignment. And uh, Bragg, you know, this is the same guy that's like, look, I can charge you with a crime, but I don't have to say what crime I'm charging you with because that's the law here in New York. And to just be so, um, so slimy, if you will. But that is Alvin Bragg, and that's the news of the day. So we're talking about it. If it happened during the day, we're talking about it at night, right? Let's go to Manila, Philippines, check in with our buddy Gil. Welcome, sir.
11: Oh, muchísimas gracias, mi gran amigo.
1: Mi gran amigo. Um,
11: I want Okay. I, I wanted to uh, make a couple of the things, here, if I could. I'm observing this, of course, from uh, the other side of the world. And it's so interesting how a grand, the first grand modern republic under Joe Biden has morphed into a banana republic. That's how Quickly. we're con- conducting our jurisprudence now. Um, Isn't it amazing how quickly it's happened
1: though, Gil? It's like, it seemed like you blink an eye and everything's falling apart.
11: Well, this goes back to, um, uh, I think the mastermind behind this whole anti-Trump campaign is Bill Clinton, who lives, of course, in Chappaqua, New York. Um, You know, there's somebody Mm. who's, orchestrating all of that and I think he's the guy
1: yeah uh, I, I don't doubt that and Gil let me ask you a question right have you heard this story? there's a story I want to share with you and and I want to get your reaction to it listen to this headline Texas man bragged about stealing money from cartel now he's missing officials say. This Texas guy bragged about stealing fifty grand from a Mexican cartel and believed that he would be safe from their retribution because he was in the United States. But guess what? Now he's missing, according to the FBI. The guy's name, Eric Tadeo Ramirez, was last seen trying to escape from a moving pickup truck as it crossed the Juarez-Lincoln International Bridge in Laredo, Texas, according to a criminal complaint filed by the FBI. On March 24th, the video recording captured the man... Uh, with a bloodied face in the passenger seat of uh, Blue Dodge Ram with several other men at 109 in the morning. He opens the door, tries to jump out, but the men grab him and pull him back inside. So here he is, and this is the guy that thought that he could get away with stealing 50 grand from the cartel. What do you think about this, Gil? Because I know you lived down there for a while.
11: Oh, yeah, I lived down there for a while. Let me tell you a story. My former wife had a very extensive, uh, extended family, and one of her uh, first cousins, her, uh, her mother's sister's son, uh, was a bad kid, and he got involved with the cartel, and it was rumored that he stole over a million dollars in cash from the cartel, wow. and he was at a... Uh, at an intersection in Juarez, with his two kids with him in the front seat of the car, somebody pulled up next to him and shot him twice in the head, right there in broad daylight. Day- day- day. Wow. So, those are those are guys you don't want to fool with. So.
1: Yeah, that's that's insane. But uh, that's
11: that's the that's that's the stuff that happens. But um, uh, I uh, I wanted to say one other thing, if I could, because I yeah, know you're, you're basically now you have, you basically now have the um, uh, the legacy of uh, uh, Larry King and, and Jim Bohannon. Um, I think I related to you that in uh, uh, 1998 I was illegally held in prison in Mexico, and I used talk yeah. radio to get out. And uh, Rita Rich. Uh, got me on with uh, Jim three times. And after I got out, I wanted to get um, uh, copies of those uh, interviews. And um, that went back to the the mutual days. And and there was a recording company in uh, Lexington, Virginia, called Lion Recording that physically recorded all of that stuff on analog um, cassette tapes. And they had all that stuff, supposedly. But they had suffered a fire, and Mr. Lyon uh, wasn't in the business anymore. His sons were running it. And I got in touch with them, They said, well, if you want to come here to Lexington and go through our stuff, uh, you're welcome to do it. So I did. Uh, When I I got there, uh, they had suffered a fire, and some of the uh, tapes had been destroyed. And unfortunately, the ones for for my stuff had been destroyed. But they had all of these tapes going back from Jim and uh, Larry King all the way to the start of Larry King on Mutual, all on cassette tapes, all on file. And they were going to throw them into the landfill. They were going to throw them into the landfill. And I said, you know, this this is history. Larry King and Jim Bohannon interviewed probably every important person in public life, history people. I used to be a history major. We yearn for this stuff so we can come up with a footnote that nobody else ever had. And I suggested they contact Larry King, which they did. uh, And now all of that stuff is in an archive in in, um, uh, George Washington uh, University in uh, Washington, D.C.,
1: so, wow, you saved all. an entire chunk of history.
11: Well, it was just, you know, that's how things happen sometimes. You just never know what's going to happen.
1: Outstanding. Well, I'm glad you shared that because I didn't know that to be a thing. And I, I could imagine how back then you had to do that. You had to make a recording, probably on a reel-to-reel or something like that, an actual analog uh, tape And um, it would be so much harder to store and they could be damaged that way. Today, you know, everything becomes digital, right? You know, there's a podcast of this show about an hour after we do it. And that, you know, for all intent and purpose will live on in perpetuity unless, you know, Apple or somebody else tries to make it go away. So there's always a digital library. And, of course, people can always listen to the show, uh, whether it's live or archived or podcast. uh, com. Everything's on there as well. But... Excellent story, Gil. I appreciate that. And I'm glad you did it because I, from time to time, go back to listen to old um, interviews from, from Jim, Larry, and other radio greats that I admire. And, um, and I, I love it. I, I geek out on that stuff. So thank you.
11: Well, one quick question. Yes, sir. Yeah. Did you ever listen to Larry King tell the Carvel ice cream story? when he was a kid in um, in in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, uh, no, no. But as you you said, Carvel,
1: I was having my own Carvel uh, memories.
11: Yeah, well, he tells a special story about Carvel ice cream. And it's very, very funny. And um, I'll
1: have to check it out.
11: Yeah, it's 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 on the Internet. You can listen to it, but it's very, very funny.
1: Will do. Well, thank you, Gil. I appreciate it. I'm going to hit this break right here. Uh, My best to you and your family and the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. We'll be right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
12: Valdez, who again will do a fine job, and I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This
0: is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, and uh, we're having a conversation on lots of different things tonight, and uh, we've got calls from Pennsylvania, Jersey again, and where's that? Illinois. Let's go to Denise in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey W-O-N-D Go right ahead
13: Oh, The greatest story is the Larry King Gil Marmelstein story where he he and his friends um, got money from their classmates saying that their friend had died so they could go to the movies and um, the kid came back to school he was supposed to be sick uh, it's a great story, it's funny as hell um but I also wanted to say that um you know I know you grew up in uh in Hudson County or you lived in Hudson County Yes the, the greatest place in Hudson County when I was raising my son who's now 43 was um, the barbershop That's around my age Uh okay
1: well, listen um did you remember Mr. G from Line G- Avenue Georgia Mr. G the No Mr. on 72nd of Line Avenue
13: uh, like 66, I think.
1: Uh, I don't know if I know him, Uh but it's funny, you know, I got into the barber business right after high school, and, uh, Giorgio had a partner, um, who, and he was on, like, 72nd in Burgerline Avenue, a guy named Tito, and Tito, uh, I, I ended up buying his place, uh, if that's the same guy, maybe, I don't know.
13: No, 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 this is like, um, across the street from the big church, the big orange church.
1: Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's. I think that's 65th Street.
13: Yeah, 66th, It was a uh, Vincent's
1: barber shop. He was. Oh fabulous. yes, Mister G Manny. <laughs> he would answer the phone and he would say, "Beansang babacha," old Cuban guy who had the uh, barber shop there, and they had a, a few really good barbers in there.
13: Yeah, he was fabulous. He was. Uh, I have a great picture of my son sitting in his chair when my son was about four years old.
1: Great picture. That's cool. Uh, that was. I, that was the barbershop that I went to, it was very, they were quick and it was very cheap and uh, it was always packed, they had like, I don't know, 10, 15 barbers in there. It was, uh it was an amazing operation and uh, they just were never really stylish, they were kind of like old school barbers and they didn't do all the, all the young hip stuff that I learned how to do. But uh, that's so funny. Uh, Last place in the world I thought I'd uh, speak with somebody that knew about Burgerline Avenue and Vincent's Barbershop, or as he would say it, Vincent (laughs) Babacha. That's great. Thank you, Denise, for the call. I appreciate it. That's a lot of fun. All right, let's continue. Uh, Let's go to GW in Galesburg, Illinois, WGIL. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome.
3: Well, thank you, Rich, for taking my call. I am from Galesburg, the city that's probably already asleep, and we're 976 miles from Madison Square Garden, but still had a couple <laughs> of comments to make, if I might.
1: Sure, go right ahead. Uh, well, first
3: of all, I, I heard the guy kind of rag on you about the taking the calls and whatnot. And I think probably the difference there is that some of us are, you know, old-time Jimbo Hammond uh, listeners. And, and I've listened to you since you were covering for him when he was was sick but it's a matter of I guess a a feeling feeling that you're welcome to call and you know it's just sometimes I'm not sure just how welcome I am and the second thing I would say is uh, I've called in a couple times since you've been on the air and I kind of got cut off before I got finished saying what I wanted to say and I don't know if that's because I'm not projecting myself well or you have a lot more calls. And you're in a hurry. I'm not sure why, but I think yeah. it just boils down to a matter of people getting used to a different host. I, you know, in general, I think you're doing a good job, um, but it's just getting used to how you work and how we work with you and that sort of thing. And so, right. I really thought the guy was maybe maybe a hair out of line, but it, maybe if you can make people feel a little more welcome and the final criticism I have is yes. I'm not a Spanish speaking person. So when you refer to a phrase in Spanish, if you could back that up with an English translation, I would really appreciate it. Like, Well, I, 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 think, I think I always do. do.
1: That's yeah. always my intent is to, to teach you something, almost like the, the cartoon Dora the Explorer, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I typically do. Uh, but if I haven't, then uh, that's on me. But yeah, you're right. Like when I say Joe El Baboso Biden, which means the drooling one. Um, that's typically how I do it. But you're right. Uh, I could put more emphasis on that. And that's a good point, GW.
3: Well, cool. Cool, because that's the first time I really understood that. I figured out that maybe that no bueno means no good. But I really <laughs> right. did understand what you were saying about, about Joe. But anyway, I mean, I think it's just a matter of, people need to be comfortable with each other and the audience is starting to get comfortable with you, but it's taking a little time and maybe that guy just, I don't know, overreacted a little sure. bit or whatever, well, but, uh, well, and
1: I, I appreciate uh, what you're saying. Um, I, I honestly, you know, I, I can't expect to impress or, or please everybody. It's radio and, and uh, you know, I came in to talk radio at, at a different time. You know, I wasn't the news guy. That became a broadcaster. I was an opinion guy. That became a broadcaster. So you know, it was. It's. It, you're right. It's just uh, getting accustomed to a new style and a new host. And I appreciate the feedback because I do want everybody to call whenever they want. Uh, whether I'll be able to get to the call or not is a different story. Sometimes certain guests uh, are on a tighter schedule and we're not able to to really field calls together. Uh, but that doesn't. I'm not going to stop people from calling in. Um, You know, just like, for example, we had Trump on a couple of months ago. Um, That was probably one of those incidents where uh, even if I wanted to go to calls because he was tight on time, I wasn't going to be able to get to calls because there was a lot of questions that I wanted to get in with him, given the time constraint. And when um, at, right now, as I'm talking to you, I have somebody in my ear saying break soon. Right. So and it, there's nothing I can do about the clock and radio. But uh, I do appreciate it. And uh, I encourage you all to call back and call in as often as you can, because I do uh, appreciate hearing from you. It's my pleasure to speak with you. GW, thanks for the critique. I'll be right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. of hair in the live late night radio six years in a row it's rich valdez
1: i promised frank from evergreen i was going to get to him and he's up next let's go to john and williamsport pennsylvania wwpa john very quickly welcome
12: sure thing good evening mr rich <laughs> how are just you Just wanted to uh oh pretty good just wanted to let you know that i've been listening to talk radio since i was about 12 and it only took me until now at the ripe age of 29 to finally call in somewhere. Um, ah, cool. And I like, the, I like the flow of your show with uh, sometimes being political, sometimes not. And I enjoy the break on my uh, way home when I get done with work. Sometimes I'm a little burned out, and it's nice to just let people, like with uh, your open phones, just bounce around from politics to cars to banks to whatever kind of reminds me of uh michael savage would do Uh, he'd talk about boats and cars back in the day but uh, mainly just wanted to uh do a little quick excerpt for the caller about three breaks ago talked about the digital currency i think he might have been thinking of some of this stuff with the u.s dollar losing its grip as the main global currency that uh central banks hold about i guess they're saying 60 percent of the foreign exchange reserves is in the American dollar. And some right. countries have pulled out of that. I believe Argentina might have been one of them. Who oh, just, I know uh, Brazil
1: uh, and something. China just struck a deal th- this week, uh, which is, you're right, that might have been part of that conversation, and he might have been conflating the two with the uh, central bank digital currency. Good point.
12: That's what I was thinking, and that's all I was calling about, to add that little tidbit of I think maybe uh, that's Excellent. where it was. So.
1: Well, thank you, John. I appreciate it. Uh, at the tender age of 29, hope you'll call in again soon. Let's continue. Frank, Evergreen, Montana, K-O-F-I. Quickly, sir.
11: Okay, Rich. Well, I'm going to finish this out by saying, I believe Trump might have a chance, but he's got to work on the right hemisphere of his brain. It's damaged.
1: He doesn't. You're right. The right hemisphere of his brain and the left and hasta la proxima until the next time i will be back with you guys tomorrow and frank is going to join us as well and explain what he means by trump's right brain we'll do it again tomorrow